What? Yes. No. It says right here. And we're right here. <laughs> oh, wait. Now I see it. I don't know why I went that way, but we are here in live. We are. We are. And it's another great night with Scuba and Arai. How hello out there in the interwebs? Scuba and Arai guy and his trusty pal Kirby. Sucking yep. up air and other things back there. So Kirby's doing what Kirby does. Suck it up and save the world. <laughs> Alrighty, so yeah, we got a couple of things to do tonight, a couple of things to hang out and chit-chat about, uh, some setup changes as you can see from here. I'm going to try and make sure I look at the camera at all times because, you know, got to talk to the camera like I'm talking to you. The camera, right there, right there. <laughs> Ooh, that's really loud. Might have to adjust my noise gates later. Okay, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> so, Tuesday, uh, week seven... 21? I, I don't know. What week in lockdown are we at now? Week infinity and beyond, as uh, Light Lightyear would say. That's fair. That's fair. All right. So, first thing off is a few announcements. And so, one of the first ones, and probably one of my biggest ones, is we have a merch store. Can you believe yeah, it? Yes, we do. Yep. I've uh, been doing some upgrades to how I do all this and everything. And one of the things is set up an actual merch store through stream elements so it's uh merch.com or merch.streamelements.com slash scuba studio got t-shirts hoodies coffee cups mouse pads and stickers this is all about the stickers um you get all the stickers put it all but yeah the wall. i'm gonna put them all over this wall back here since it's all blank Nice, nice. So, yeah, uh, link to that in the show notes. And if you're watching us on live on Twitch on Tuesday nights, then there's a panel in there with a link you can go to to hook us up. And if you do that while we're live, there should be a little alert notification that comes in. So that'll, you know, interrupt us and everything and just show how much awesome you are. And thank you. So that being said, all right, uh, another announcement is a shout out and a thank you to Sirenscape for allowing us to use the soundboards and ambient music. Uh, tonight, we're just kind of hanging out in Troll Skull Manor doing the relaxed, relaxed music. So not to get too heavy. We're just kind of chilling in the tavern, hanging out. Um, yeah, hanging out, doing some chilling, drinking, exercising our wits and charms. Oh, yes. And uh, also a reminder that this started out as an audio podcast. It still is an audio podcast that's released on all the major podcast platforms. So go check it out at Google, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Give us a listen. Give us a like. By all, me by all means, tell people about us. Spread uh, the word. Oh, yeah. Lots of word. Lots of fun. So those announcements are just, you know, big end. Some other stuff we'll get into as far as our what's talking and all those other things. But uh Let's roll into our what's up, the our fictional segment where we talk about what we've been doing for the last week and what kind of shenanigans we've been up to. And as usual, Rye, take it away. Ah, we fall in my lap. Well, no, <laughs> you don't want to do that. That might be scary, but Kirby's here to save you. So he's been busy with me most of, most of the week since, you know, we are isolated into our homes and working from home. Mm -hmm. So... That's pretty much it. Other than that, the side stuff I get into, I've been reading that book on um, screenplays. I'm more than halfway through it, 
So once I get done, um, I'll start plotting to figure out what I want to write as my first screenplay. But before that, I am working on one of my romance novels, editing it, um, doing my own edit, you know, go through because I hadn't read it in a while. So, you know, there's a lot of cleanup that needs to be done. And then I'm going to send it to one of my uh, one of my friends to look over it so she can put a good uh, good eye and spin and give me an opinion about it before I probably will publish it where I've published my other books through uh, Lulu.com, which is a good self-publishing website for anybody out there that likes to get their work out there so um other than that lots of games lots of watching tv since that's pretty much all i can do and yeah so. yeah oh i did almost forget one thing what's that i did go out to one of our local state parks over the weekend oh really first first landing so oh wow me, isn't it now called friend... seashore state park or some craziness or Reverse. was it was it a seashore it was once called seashore state park now it's first landing. Gotcha. Yes. That's actually a pretty nice one. A lot of nice flat bike and walking trails. So it's pretty good oh, yeah. for getting out. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of good trails. Um, you know, you got a lot of ups and downs depending on which trail you go on. The main trail, you know, it's pretty straightforward, but it's mainly for the bike airs, the runners, the people that exercise. But if you go on the off trails, mm-hmm. that's where you go on the ups and downs, which give you a little more, um, you know, a little more endurance. It's a good way, you know, especially um, it's an offshoot because it's in Virginia Beach. So it's kind of ironic. You have this, you know, largest city in Virginia, but also one of the largest state parks in Virginia in the same place. So it's kind of a oxymoron of sorts, but it's a good it's another good example of a lot of the things you can do outdoors wise in this area. It's it's a not it's like a hidden gem of sorts, oh, but it's really? a local favorite because, you know, a lot of people like going out there. Because there's not just the trail side, there's the beach side. So you okay. can always go to the beach side, you can go to the trail side, there's camp. Uh, it's camp also like area. two sides of the road. You got a major road that runs through it. You can go on yes. one side, cross the street to the other side. I've got a lot of good memories of doing Boy Scouts and stuff out there. So Yeah, yeah I've been going out, going out there for most of my life since I've been living here. But, you know, we went out there, did about a good... Miles, I'll say. So, took me a couple days for my legs to get back at it, but still got back at it. That works, man. That works. All right. How's uh, any anything else interesting, or is just more planning for when the lockdown is lifted and we can all venture out into the world again? Well, you know, just uh, contemplating, um, you know, what I will do when the orders get lifted. But I know what I'm going to do when the orders get lifted and I can go to my favorite brewery and get a drink and sit there and just relax. And that is a great place to relax. And we're talking about farmhouse yeah. brewery, back Bay yes. farmhouse brewery out here in, uh, in Virginia beach, Hampton roads area. That's a good place to hang out. Um, alrighty. Good cool. Uh, let's see for me, I've been, uh, back and forth doing a few things. Uh, obviously I'm, I'm, rearranged how i'm doing things here since trying to be more healthy do the whole standing versus sitting and kind of rearrange the setup a bit also uh coming back to the pc master race um you are yeah i am i am um for years and i mean i for about for at least five years i have been used for my primary computing when i'm not at work 
has been working off of a, uh, a MacBook. I got a MacBook because I do Apple products for my mobile stuff. I don't like... I like things that just work and not have to do a lot of this things. So not giving a lot of hate to all the people who play on, uh, who use Android or whatever. I've got nothing against you guys doing Android. You guys do what you do. It's just for me and my family, I like Apple's architecture and environment. So let's not get the debate going there, but I've been using Apple for my <laughs> mobile stuff. And now that I'm, essentially doing this uh content creation and with this lockdown and a lot of advent and working from home one of the things i realized right before I, I, my job and i had parted ways um was i was using i was doing remote a lot more than i ever have working for the company but i would do all my remote stuff on like a little surface so yeah. It's a great computer. Microsoft Surface is great. I love working on it, but it's just the screen real estate kind of is not there. Thankfully, it was just remoting into another computer and doing all the work that way. But doing the job hunting and whatever. So essentially, even when I was doing uh, tech support stuff, I had stopped having an actual desktop PC that I used for seven, eight years. So it's like, all right, I need to upgrade my stuff. Uh, let me just, you know, make the investment, see if that'll help me with uh, job hunting and content creation. And of course, people give it, keep giving me hate about the fact that I don't play PC games. It's like, I hear you, no, no, Saladin, I'm looking that. at you. Yeah, I'm looking at you, him. Saladin. It's just one person. Just remember that. Not it's not that. No, my, my buddy Rasputin and a couple others on there, it's like, okay, I, I see you. I got you. Let me get back to the PC world. So... Yesterday, uh, Saladin came over and we ordered PC parts. We just had a big shopping spree ordering PC parts, and all of those parts Sporting. are <laughs> all of those parts are coming in. And it's like it's just wild. So you gotta let me know how that adventure begins. Oh yeah, on the PC master race. I can't. Yeah, I, we're uh, a lot of the parts was due to come in over the next uh, week and a half or so, um, and I ordered not just computer parts. I ordered a. I have not had a dedicated workstation, so to speak, to sit at. I, I've been you. I, I haven't. I haven't really had. I haven't needed mm -hmm. one because I haven't needed a desktop. So I don't have one. So I not only ordered a PC, but I ordered a desk. I ordered uh, the PC, I ordered a new monitor, new keyboard, new mouse, um, even ordered some lights to better do filming when I do recording stuff for the studio. So it's like, I'm I'm investing, I'm trying, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I think we're going to end up streaming the whole build process and getting all of that stuff in there. So that'll be fun. Look for that to definitely be coming in the next uh, few weeks. <clears throat> Excuse me. Alright, uh, let's see. I think that's the major thing. Of course, they've been tweaking the stuff with the show. As you can see, we got the little backgrounds, little thing, little stuff that's scrolling in there. Um, Everything so, around me. Yes. Yeah. Trying to get, you know, clean it up, make it a little more, a little, little better, more, more pretty. Um, the rotating ticker of where you can, where you can find the studio and the social medias. But, um, let's talk about it as if you're an audio person listening in. So, uh, I think that's it for my what's up that I can think of because I think the computer is the biggest thing. Uh, yeah, that uh, is a pretty big thing. 
yeah, let's uh, move on into 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 uh, reviews. So reviews, reviews. Ooh. All right, so movie reviews for this week. We got a few things to talk about because we're not just talking about movies. We got some got a couple of TV shows too. So. Let's uh, just kick right off into the gate here. And that's, kick it uh, down. Yep. First one. Uh, new Chris Helmsworth movie, Extraction. Is, uh, just dropped on Netflix not too long ago, right? Yeah. Well, actually, it is. Um, you would consider a new release if it was in theaters because it was released this weekend. But being Netflix original, they just pop it right there on their streaming service. So it's right there for convenience. I like it. Yeah, convenience is great, especially in the streaming world. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's see how this goes. So tell me about tell me about this. Talk about it. I haven't had a chance to watch it. Uh, I plan to watch it. I'll probably watch oh, yeah. it tomorrow or something. Oh yeah, Extraction. It came by me as a uh, recommendation, and but also it was showing up on my queue, and I piqued interest because one, it's an action film. It is uh, produced by the Russo brothers. Joe Russo actually wrote the script. Uh, and it stars Chris Hemsworth in um, in the role as Tyler Rake, who is a uh, black ops mercenary guy. And the basic story structure is is that uh, on his most deadliest mission yet, Tyler Rake um, takes on an extraction job to rescue the son of an international crime boss. So that's pretty much the premise. That's the storyline. That is point A to point B from end to end, beginning, middle, end. Doesn't waver, doesn't deviate from that plot point. So what you have is Tyler Rake, he gets recruited by this international crime boss of India, which is like the top dog drug lord of India, who um, his son gets taken by the top drug lord of Bangladesh. So it's basically just, uh, uh, um, he basically just takes them hostage because, just because. So now Tyler Rake comes in and he has to go and get the son out of Bangladesh, um, out of the city of Dhaka. I think I said it right, Dhaka. Um, so you pretty much fo follow him as he goes in, gets the sun, and tries to uh, survive all the craziness that ensues to get this uh, boy back home safely. Mm. So it is um, a straightforward action flick. So everything you can think of that would invoke the basics of a, of the action genre is layered out within the first like first like five ten minutes so it is pretty much um you have your introduction to the protagonist the antagonist and the mission um but what makes this film what makes this film so enjoyable is the action and the protagonist himself um chris hemsworth as um tyler rake he gives you a spin of the anti-hero but with a tragic past so he is like ruthless and vicious, but there is very subtle ways that he interacts with certain individuals that shows you that, that he has some kind of heart and character, especially when he gets um, gets um, introduced to the boy, which is the key incident that drives everything in the film. So with him and that boy, there is a relationship that develops that produces what I called um, um, wits with an action. So basically, you get this wits and emotional veracity through his own um, display of action when he's fighting against all the oncoming um, um, enemy fodder. So no matter if it's the police, 
if it's the the gang of kids with guns if it's just the random other assassin that shows up like you feel the emotions through just him taking out everybody one by one and the action itself is probably top and pristine because it's so technically uh so so technical within the choreography that it puts a lot of action movies to shame because they don't use the gimmicky uh shaky cam which actually is a is a personal pet peeve of mine because that drives me insane whenever i see the shaky cam in a film Mm because it just shows that you're lazy that you're just completely lazy when it comes to doing action so the person that directed this film is actually a uh, uh, um a stunt guy so it's sam hargrave uh who directed this film he is he is a, a stunt guy so he understands choreography action of you know pinpointing it and the one thing especially for you you would like this they do use a technique in this film that they used in your one of the movies we watched earlier this year and probably one of your favorites is that um that continuous one shot camera technique so there is one scene it's a 20 minute action scene where it's non-stop you just follow uh tyler rake as he goes through this apartment he's taking out cops he's going hand-to-hand combat he's shooting and then all of a sudden he fights in the street and they have a knife combat and it's just one shot that, the whole sound, that that sounds like uh the kind of stuff we saw in the john wick franchise with the whole oh gun yeah you, oh yeah you see it's you see a lot of flavor of, of john wick 1917 in this because it just you just follow them as they're trying to survive they're trying to survive all the craziness that this drug lord in Bangladesh is throwing at him but also at the same time you see this like soul searching in the mercenary as even though he has this tragic past and he's very brutal like the action is very brutal there is an en- an endearment to what he's doing okay um so that actually creates a, a, a sensation that pushes it above uh, style over substance. The action is raw and realistic. Nothing feels completely out of bounds like a film we watched a couple weeks ago, Six Underground, um, where the action was very bombastic and very, you know, just over the top. And it worked within a degree, but it was very cartoonish. Things fell out of place. But the reason this film is a lot better than that is because it, pushes the action within its own its own reality without being too unrealistic and okay. it pushes you past the flaws of the film which is the basic outline of the film it is uh it is by the numbers an action film you know what's going to happen you know how the film is going to wrap up you know you know that you're going to have your typical man against the world with that mission accomplished kind of climax but okay. even though you know that it's 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 the journey and the action that keeps you on the edge of your seat okay interesting interesting oh yeah oh yeah all right so what would what would you call this uh, um because of the because of the action because of the, the 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 visual prowess of everything that is going on and the way they they put immerse uh put emotion and character development within the action it's one of the rare times that that you, you don't need character development to make you care about the protagonist. There's just enough, but you just watch it within, you know, just, just his interactions. So I gave it a four out of five. It is worth a full price if it was at the theaters, but it is available on Netflix. And I do recommend it for anybody that's an action film uh, and that loves action films because this is one of the top notch ones out there. Okay. Cool. Yeah. 
Cool, I'll have to definitely check it out. I was planning on it, but I got a little caught up on a few things. So I, I, I would recommend it to you, especially because you I did like... watch the trailer, so I did I, I'm yeah. familiar with the trailer. It did it did feel it, it did did pique my interest, but I was I was kinda curious about what it was. So now I think I'm oh, yeah. go, I'll probably go check it out. So yeah. with that talking uh, another so this seems to be Netflix night. Uh, next thing we're oh, talking yeah. about is uh, the Netflix series, or is I don't know—is this a series or is it a film? Yeah, it's, it's a lim- Godless. It's a, yeah, Godless is a is a um, it is a Western drama, a miniseries that was uh, created by Scott Frank for Netflix. Okay. So it's only about uh, it is only seven episodes. So it's a miniseries. It's kind of like Chernobyl on HBO. And okay. The Outsiders on HBO. It's a miniseries, so it's a one-shot. Only happens one time. So it's a western that takes place out in um, in Co- in Colorado, and you follow this this group of outlaws that um, led by Frank Griffin, who's chasing down one of their ex-members, Roy Good, as they are. He basically hijacked a a train heist from them, and that's where the the story starts off and it just you just follow the characters as they are there's a cat and mouse game but in a very slow methodical way okay and um this series it's a it's a it's a by the numbers typical western but what makes it stand out is the characters and uh if you ever watched a west if you know westerns it's dialogue heavy so if if you're not a fan of dialogue driven stories this is not for you well, oh, but, how would this compare to like, um, like Westworld, which is Westworld? A, a modern Western type thing? Oh no, no, Godless is a is a, is a traditional Western. It takes place in the accurate time. There's no there's no like sci-fi computer nothing. This is a straight up Western, okay. and you're just following as these characters uh, evolve through this landscape and have to deal with them, their circumstance. And you know, eventually everything comes to head. When Frank Griffin and the gang uh, roll into down um, the town that is the central, is that is the central focus of the story is called the Bell, and it's a mining town where all the men that were in the mine died from an accident. So it's pretty much ran by all the women now. Okay. So, so it, it 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 does have a lot of it, it is that is the one twist that is a little bit different than typical westerns. It's very female centric. But it's not to the point where it beats your head over it. It's there's a reason why, you know, because the men died in the mine, so they're the only ones left in the town running it. So, but it is a, it's a very good western. I would recommend it to anybody that's a fan of, of of westerns because it's you know you watch the characters as they evolve, they kind of learn from circumstance, they have the typical reflection, and then you have the all-out gunfights, you know, that happen in the end. Definitely, uh, oh, it's it's definitely a, a good treat. All right, so, I mean, seven episodes. It sounds like we have mom, we have highs and lows. Is there any uh, particularly particularly unique highs, or particularly it, unique lows, or is it just fall into some of the classic tropes? It 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 um it plays off the classic tropes, but but plays off um with the twist of subtlety. So everything um. If you've ever watched Western series, it's very much uh, on point and blunt when the sheriff comes into town and they say, we're here to get the bad guy or the bad guy are snarling. They don't play that. They layer each character within like a methodical approach where they, they have their own flaws. Everybody has their own flaws. There's no good or bad. 
everybody has a, a moral compass that has been shaded. Okay. So they're all just trying to find their place, and they all kind of bounce off each other. Like the main one of the main characters, Roy Good, he comes across a farm, which um, this le- this lady whose husband has died has been an outcast from LaBelle, but yet they still interact with her because they need her horses. So it's it's kind of like they outcast her and lambast her for no reason, uh, but they still use her. And then she doesn't want to deal with them, but she kind of has to. And then she has her own past. So every character has a little bit of shade. So it doesn't have the traditional good versus bad. It's just a matter of who do you want to side with? And the series builds up on that and shows you how everybody has a reason to fight each other and everybody has a reason to want to survive. Hmm. Okay. So it's interesting. interesting. And the good thing is they don't, they don't just force it. They don't just tell you things. You, you, one of the great things about Westerns, if it's a great Western is that it lets the visuals, it lets the, the, the mannerisms and it lets the texturing of the actors and actresses play out the scenes. Okay. So, so if you're if you're you're familiar with Weston, so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So basically, if they're standing there or they're having a conversation, they don't have to thrust you into a romance. You can watch you watch it evolve. You see it organically evolve. Okay. So that sounds interesting. All right. Uh, so what are we gonna call it? Obviously, I'm uh, going for a full seven episode seven episode or overall uh, rise scale rating. What would you call okay. it? Overall series rating, it's got its highs and lows. It's, it gets slow at some points, but that's typical of a Western. Um, it plays off the tropes, and it does end off in, in a good high note. So I would say a uh, good 3.5 out of 5. 3.5? Okay, cool. That's another one I have to try and check out. I'm almost caught up on my YouTube feed, so I've been doing a lot of, bin- a lot of watching on how-tos and things. All right, our next, our last one to talk about as far as uh, reviews go is another series on Netflix called OBX or The Outer Banks. It's like, okay, so is this supposed to be like centered in a local, in our, in our local neck of the woods? Because The Outer Banks, I think, is only like two hours, like an hour and a half from me. I think I do. I think all I have to do is go down the street, but, um, <laughs> Uh, but well, yeah, yeah first, it is. First it you is, have to pass is. my place to get to the Outer Banks. So I think I'm a little close. Well, I can go around that. <laughs> yeah, true. Fair, fair. So, but what yeah, we, it, so it, what's up with this one? Okay, so you, you hit the nail on the nod. It is a, 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 um, a show that follows a group of teenager, teenagers in this recreation of the Outer Banks of North Carolina. And it focuses on um, a group of teenagers that are known as Pogues. And they're like the the lower class of people that live on the Outer Banks, and the higher class of people on the Outer Banks are called um, Hooks. And what it is, it focuses on this group of teenagers that is trying to find out what happened to um, the main person that leads this group called John B. What happened to his father? Who, so is this um, like a is this a is this a mystery or like a crime mystery or solve yeah. solving a mystery type thing? It's a it's a it's an action adventure uh, teenage drama. So think of it like Dawson's Creek meets the OC meets an adventure film, set in the Outer Banks. See, I have so a it's hard a combination time with that. Of, and here here's why I'm having a hard time with it. Maybe you can help me understand. Okay. I never watched Dawson's Creek. Okay. I never watched the OC. Okay. 
So adventure sure. flick, yeah, but you said, but when you sat there and said this is a group of kids looking for the fate of somebody, that to me sounds like a classic Scooby-Doo type situation. Kids investigate. Yeah, it, yeah, you could say that, but it's not campy. It's not cheesy. It's not. It's not kid friendly. Like I would call call this like a typical primetime drama um say like uh let me let me let me drop back to the 90s uh beverly hills 90210 um vaguely on that okay um so i would give it like a primetime drama but with these teenagers that are trying to figure out what happened to the father which leads them to uh some form of a legendary treasure that was lost at sea so each episode is a little bit of revealing about this and you know each, uh, if you've known like a, a like a mystery, you know each clue leads to something bigger and more dangerous. Yeah. And this uh, this show is um, it takes that 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 prime uh, that primetime drama format that you're familiar that you might be familiar with on network television, but because it's on Netflix, it is very low key vicious, and they do not care about characters and outcomes. So. Anybody who's anybody can meet the end of a gun in this show, so it it does it plays off that iron, irony where it's a it's a catch twenty two. It looks like a typical prime uh, time drama, but it flips the switch on you, and you, all these characters have like heavy flaws, have uh, tragic fates. No matter if it's the main character John B or if it's any of the other characters that you come across in the in the show. Huh. So while the while the murder uh, while the mystery is trying to be resolved, you know people people die, um, tragedies happen, and the main character keeps falling into these traps of a disarray, like just one hit after the other, and it just makes you just you're just like, what else can go wrong for this main character who is not at fault for anything? He just gets caught up in the wrong things. So okay, but. It is, it is set in a fictitious Outer Banks. There's a lot of obvious flaws for anybody that's familiar with the Outer Banks. But even with those obviousness, it doesn't take away from, like, the adventure. Because the, 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 the setting is very... Um, from what I understand, the setting of, like, the, the class system of the poor and the rich reflects that area. They just do it in a very sensationalized way. But at times, it's very realistic. So there's a lot of things that stay true to it, like the, the fishing economy, the beach life, the you know the the summer party fun. That's typical of the Outer Banks. It's okay. just there's a couple technical things that you any you and me would catch it because we're very familiar with the Outer Banks. <laughs> All right. Especially episode All right. four. All right. And if you watch it, you'll know what I'm talking about. All right, so what are we gonna call the rating on this one? Or and actually, no. Before uh, I, before you answer that, how many episodes is this? Is this like uh, some that's like an uh, episodic right. TV series, or is this a mini series um, type thing like Godless? Um, it is. It's, it's only had one season because it was released this year. Oh no! Um, but so it's one season, ten episodes. All right. About, so this is uh, geared right to be an hour episode. This is geared to be a a tell like like we'd see this on like. Uh, Fox or um, CW or something like that. Yeah, it's a it's a serialized uh, series. Series. Okay, so what's our rating for season one? Season one, um, 
pushing aside the obvious tropes that it plays on with that primetime television stuff, um, it does, it pulls you in with the typical tropes of a primetime drama, but it plays a red herring really quick and dives deeper into the madness that involves this uh, mystery, the, all the characters, and just the, 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 the subtle viciousness that happens on, underneath everything that seems to be pristine. Um, I would give it a. I would actually give it a four out of five. I thoroughly enjoyed it because it keeps you wanting to watch. Okay. And if the, if you watch uh, the one good thing about a TV series, no matter what, is like if it keeps you wanting to watch, then it's worth watching because it wants you to see what happens to the characters. And it has, it doesn't play favorites with the characters, which I like. Hmm. It's like watching Game of Thrones all over again, but not as great. Game, Game of Thrones, Thrones is on a whole. Surfboards. Yeah, Game of <laughs> Thrones with surfboards. There you go. I like that one. <laughs> all righty, all right. Well, that's you interesting. You get the gist. I get the gist. I really do. Yeah. And it, interesting, interesting. All right, all right. But like I said, the technic the technicalities of some of the the the, the technicalities of the filming, you will see them. I am going to, and you're going to laugh when you see them especially episode four i'm pointing out episode four for a reason and you'll know why all right well i think at this point we're ready to move on to our next segment state of game State of game, the point in the show where we talk about the various games we're playing and how they're going, whether it's video games, tabletop games, or any other game we play. We're gonna we're gonna talk about how our how we're doing in that. Just as K, okay, this is how we keep things entertaining. And there are a lot of stuff that could be done with games. I know video game wise, uh, Monday night scuba plays on uh, here on live streams on Twitch where I go through video games. I think for the last two months i've been going through the division two last night i hit level 30 uh so now working on finishing up the map at this point it's also just kind of helping rye when he joins me to reach level 30 on xbox i know he's already well past that on on playstation so we won't even talk about that um, oh yeah did, that's, that's a whole other world over there <laughs> i did pick up stranded deep on xbox i'm probably gonna dust that off here soon i'm just not sure if i'm going to stream that or just play offline and just make videos to post up on for content but uh right what video games you've been playing um other than uh division two with uh scuba you can check us out monday nights and um i've been my like since i have the, the systems i kind of navigate between them depending on what games i want to play so now i'm navigating shifting back over to mostly playing on the ps4 and that's because of one game that dropped recently, which I've talked about, I got into just a little bit, but got into a lot deeper now, is uh, the Final Fantasy VII Remake. So I've been putting a lot of time in that game, just because one, it's awesome, two, it's nostalgia, and three, it's just a wonderful game to play right now. Oh, sweet. Like it's, a good, it's, good, it's a good escape from all the stuff that's happening around us, but two, just... Um, it just fits that niche of what I like in a game. Like the combat, it's it's an action RPG 
fusion because when you're in combat and fighting, you're, you're, it's real time. But you can flip it to where you can use magic. You can flip between the characters in your party to fight with and use their stuff. And just watching the cinematic and the story evolve and the interaction with other you know NPCs in the world, you get thrust into their lives. And and I enjoy the journey because it gives you that pureness of the escape. Okay. Even if even if you know it's typical video game tropes and stuff, it's just that escape is what I like. It's, We're it's, talking it's Final a, Fantasy VII, right? Yeah, Final Fantasy VII remake. It's, that's timeless, and I yeah. I actually seriously thought about buying a PlayStation Four recently just so I could play that game because I got sick and tired of hearing people talking about playing that game. <laughs> well, you get to hear, you're going to hear from me for a while. Oh, yeah, so. yeah. I mean, how far are you on it? Um, I got through a few more major missions, and now I am in chapter, if I remember correctly, chapter 8. Okay. Of the story. So you still, so, you still, you still got quite a few to go. Oh, yeah, I got a while to go, because what happens is, is uh, I get distracted, and I like to venture out and do other things. Oh yeah, there's I'm a, a lot of side quests. I like how they've fleshed out so much more of Midgar and things to do in Midgar. And oh, yeah. you can definitely also tell a lot of things from when the first game first came out to and what's in what's uh, considered pulp culture in today's society versus what was then. You can see that they've incorporated it into the game, but it didn't it doesn't feel like it bro it's it's a rebat it, it's changing the game much other than expanding on sections of the of the map that we never really saw because obviously in the early 90s that was a very limited tech or mid 90s there was a very limited technology when it came to putting that out oh yeah so so i definitely i definitely this is i guess um the way i can see it at least in the latter half of these uh the ps4 and the xbox one um era is that it's been it's been the it's been the era of remakes like they've been pumping out a lot of remakes in the last few years of old games not not just final fantasy 7 remake um you had uh them redoing crash bandicoot the insane trilogy which i have on the switch um they did resident evil 2 remake which i have on xbox they did the resident evil 3 re remake this year and there's countless others i can name so um it's it's Reliving, playing these games again, but with updated graphics, expansion of story, and like adding new gameplay mechanics, just gives it a fresh of new air. Because it is, it is a story that it is a timeless story. It's a familiar story, just like when I was playing Resident Evil 2 remake. But it's just, it feels like a new experience because it's been rebuilt from the ground up. Okay. Especially Final Fantasy 7 because the 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 original Final Fantasy VII is a traditional JRPG, which is turn-based. This isn't turn-based. This is action-based. So they pulled a lot of elements from Final Fantasy XV in this, but added a lot more stuff to it. Yeah, um, I was talking with uh, my friend Raz, Rasputin, and um, he he had some strong opinions on it because obviously he's, bought, he's gone through it. He's going through it again now on hard mode to oh, I'm not plat that. platinum it, right? And what some yeah. of the stuff we talked about is like obviously I'm familiar with Final Fantasy 15, which I really love playing, but yeah, it's definitely that, a fun game. that combo system where it's like 
the AI operated the uh, the companions, and you only you you flipped through, or but you were you were kind of locked in Octus, but you also could kind of flip through for certain things, but they were more of more of assistance. Well, yeah, and he said comparatively, it seems like they took that way too far to where if you're not the whichever one of your parties the active person that's the one the creature will attack so you literally have to constantly flip between person to person just to balance the attacks from the creature because the other uh, if you're not if you're the primary one the creature is going to come and attack you the other two in the party will attack side by side but the creature seems to ignore them and uh i've not really had that issue i mean yeah there are times when you're getting attacked but not at least if you saw the video that i posted on my youtube it was like a 30 second video of me game playing through it um i wasn't the main character wasn't the only one attacked like you'll see the other characters fighting the other enemies over here on the side so i don't well, what, know if it was just his mode I'm I'm just playing a normal right now. Okay. So, so it might it, been it could, it might be a hard mode related thing. It could be, and again, that's it, it. It's different opinions and different perceptions, which is the whole point of what yeah. we're talking about. I mean, some games, yeah. various playthroughs, various people are going to have different experiences, and these are just some of the things I'm collecting because I ask people, "Hey, what did you think of this? What did you not like about it? That kind of thing." So oh, yeah. yeah, Final Fantasy Seven Division Two. Uh, what about your Switch? Because you've got a Switch too. Anything anything currently on that? Are you part of the Animal Crossing uh, obsession right now, I think is the word? I am avoiding that obsession because I already have a lot of games that I'm playing. Well, just one game, but it takes up my time. Fair, but, fair. Um, the only game I really, well, I got back into that I do play on the Switch when I do play it is a Torchlight 2. Okay. And that, that game is just, it's just, I, I just love playing that game because it's, it is, it is, it is an action RPG, but it's, 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 it's a loot extravaganza in that game. So you can, you just get loot constantly and nice. you can just constantly swap. I love the mechanic with your pet. You can send your pet back into town to sell everything and come back and you don't have to go back and forth. So that's yeah. always a good thing. But, you it, know, it's I'm definitely playing convenient. So I'm playing through that. I mean, I still got to eventually work through Octopath Traveler on there and maybe a couple other RPGs, indie RPGs I downloaded on there. But I only usually just play that when I'm out and about or on the go or at my girlfriend's house because it's easy just to take it there. So, <laughs> but other than that, um, there might be a couple other games that I might dabble into, like one that I finally took out the wrapper and it's on the system. It's just a matter of playing it. Which is days gone. Oh, you know what? I'll... You will get to it. I have no doubt. Yeah. What in fifty years? <laughs> but uh, I am. Uh, gonna, I guess uh, it'll I'll depend go... on how long it takes you to get a PlayStation Five. Nah, that'll take a minute. But um, also Journey, because it was a free download on uh, on the PS4, so I'll, we'll be playing through that. Okay. And then maybe a few other games in the near future in the next few months it just depends on what drops all right all right um let's see uh i got a couple huh i, I was just whispering cyberpunk so yeah 
that is in the future. Uh, yeah, that's the future. All right. Uh, on my notes here, I got a couple of uh, campaign diaries, so to speak. Um, last Friday, the No Quarter D&D game happened. Uh, this is one we've been doing okay. via Zoom. And actually, the session was it was actually a low-key session compared to the last couple. Because to be honest, okay. last couple, the party was in dire straits. Um <laughs> This one, it was, they got back into town, they did some shopping, so it was a shopping, it was a downtime type thing, and then it was like, hey, and I was really struggling because the party wanted to move toward uh, Wave Echo Cave, which in the Lost Minds module is like the last place you go before completing the module. So you're expected to, they, they, it's kind of expected to be levels level four level three level four three if you take it slow four is a challenge well i didn't want to let the party go there because i did not want to scale the scale it down to level two players i wanted to leave it being kind of that uh impact of actually completing it but thankfully because the I'm merging the Ice Spire module and the Lost Minds module together because of my shared universe. I uh, was able to kind of spin the party toward doing some of the first some of the first quests for Ice Spire, which is basically running around and telling people, "Hey, watch out! There's a dragon in dragon moved into the area. Maybe you should come back to the town to be safe." So now they're kind of doing the whole errand run. Um, they went to the first one, which was a windmill, um, to meet with uh, someone there who makes potions. And they wanted to try and buy some potions. And of course, as they come up on the hill, there is a manticore that is chilling there trying to get into the front door because it was displaced by the dragon. The party just runs in and starts attacking it. And they managed to drive it off because I getting better at my tactics so they drove it off and then it's like now they're moving into the next one and the, the interesting thing is from a tech side because we're all in this lockdown and all not away is i'm using this as a way to kind of play test how i want to do a DD podcast because i want to do enough i want to do another podcast i want to do a DD one yeah i'm a little late to the game there's a hundred there's hundreds of them out there i get it but going through zoom we use the whiteboard app uh, a feature inside zoom to put up a map for some tactical interviews and it looks like uh discord just recently opened up video conferencing for chat for voice channels so i have i have a feeling that this is going to be a great option i just need to get a group of players together to actually test it out but that was the no quarter game which we'll meet again next not this friday but next friday and they'll be going into a gnome area that should be that should last a session, maybe two sessions, I think, depending on how the party wants to go through this and how much how, how methodical I am in my prep. Uh, another game thing to talk about, and this is Sunday, Saturday. Uh, Ras, Rasputin and Professor Penumbra both uh, came over because we were all getting a little tired of this isolationist thing. They came over and yeah. we played a game of Eldritch Horror. Now, Penumbra has that and all the expansions. So we set this up. 
This game lasted about eight hours. That's a long time. You really didn't realize it, though. I mean, aside from the setup yeah. takes a while because you have the various modules to go through, but then it's just going through and we managed to beat the game, which is really hard because Eldritch Horror can... All the Eldritch games tend to... If you make the wrong... It, depending on how the cards come up, you're either really, really excited or you're really, really dead. I happen to play a character who died two turns before the end so i had to start a whole new character in the right at that point but it's not a bad game i definitely want to add it to my collection but it was we my uh my son uh played with us and so it was the four of us playing this game and it was it, it went really well but so looking forward to the next one <laughs> excuse me all right uh well i think that's it for the state of game so i guess that means we can move on to some news type things and some oh, odds yeah. and ends Alrighty, odds and ends point where we talk about all these various news articles that we see and what we think of them and we got some some bigger new stuff and then we got a bunch of other stuff so we got this big list and we're just gonna roll right through it so uh Ra, you want to start us off oh yeah uh, i'll start off with um actually yeah, the, the breaking news that i snuck in there at the very last minute well, that's a pretty good uh, one because that we can roll that right into that is, another one so yeah. yeah so it was uh just breaking today that um the oscar ceremonies uh, oscar 2021 is actually allowing um um streaming uh films to be uh, eligible for their uh for the award season so quoting from the article on screen rent um until further notice and for the 93rd awards years only, films that had a previously planned theatrical release but are initially made available on a commercially streaming or VOD service may qualify in Best Picture, General Entry, and Specialty categories for the 93rd Academy Awards under these provisions. All right. The film I, must... Yes. Keep, you can go. All right. Uh, okay. Shenanigans? Shenanigans? Flag on the play? I mean... They're just now allowing them. What about previous films that were released on Netflix or whatever and that never got a theatrical release? Were those really just not counted? I could have sworn in a couple of several of the contenders we talked about last awards ceremony, a couple of them came off of Netflix. Yeah, but they did have theatrical runs. So if the the, the way it plays out for the Oscars, the film has to play within from January 1st to January 31st, at least in one theater during that time frame. Oh, wait so what, what, about, referencing what is, about what about Bright? I know that's a couple of years removed, but wasn't that because that was a Netflix only or did it actually get a small theatrical run? Which film? Bright. Will Smith. Bright. Yeah, that was never nominated at the Oscars. Oh, but was it? A, but, but because of the rules, it's it wasn't conce- wasn't even considered a possibility. 
I think it had it had one run at a theater because on the on the red carpet ceremony night that they had, it was at the theater one time. So the rule is, it's like as long as it plays in the theater, you know, within that year, it's eligible. So that's why you have a lot of uh, films that get uh, get that uh, near the end of the year, which is the Oscar season. They get that limited release around Christmas time and then full release the next in the, in the next couple of weeks. Like 1917, 1917 had a limited release on Christmas and then two week, uh, about January 12th when we watched it, that's when it went full release. Wow. So, that's so films like The Irishman, uh, um, Manchester by the Sea, Roma, they had their theater run. They had a theater run. Plus, they were at the 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 um, the, um, the film uh, the film festivals too. So that counts with it. So, but because the reason they lifted the rule this year is because of the circumstance, and a lot of with a lot of you know theaters being closed, the only way uh, films are getting released right now until theaters open is either streaming platforms or VOD. So to allow for films to be eligible, they had to lift that rule up, and okay. any film that is released. So, but what it what it is is that it could be a, a normalization of things to come in the not too distant future. Maybe not within a year, but it's actually showing that a willingness of a, a traditional award platform, even with the circumstance, um, allowing it to happen shows that there might be a normalization of the times to come and this plays on the fact that a lot of people watch through streaming because with the expansion of broadband and connectivity and all that stuff yeah um what this also is going to do is that because they lifted this rule a lot of those films that most people don't get to see um, that are, you know, low-key indie films, smaller films, or even, you know, even like films like um, 1917 that we watched. Not everybody saw 1917. Or uh, maybe a, the, the movie that won Best Picture, Parasite, the Korean film. This no, gives know, them the opportunity. Yet. Yeah, this gives them the opportunity to, um, to push it out to the wide masses because everybody... I'm not going to let me rephrase that most everybody has access to the major streaming platforms at least of uh, uh, on demand because on demand is provided to you through your cable provider oh that so, various cell phone providers provide at least one of yeah. the major services and not to mention if it's on if it's available on the internet somebody's seen it so, yeah okay and what what this is it's actually even though you know it's a tradition that people the oscars have been you know hampered on just the fact they lifted it up what it's going to do is going to create a positive because it's going to create a lot more um put more eyes on things and create more buzz at the same time it's going to draw attention to both um not just um films that you might not be not have seen but it'll open a wide eyes to maybe foreign films okay. um uh, low-key low murder mysteries, um, more um, uh, heavy dramas or period pieces that people would not be, you know, exposed to because most of the time, especially nowadays, the theaters are littered with either big blockbusters or, you know, big action films, like, you know, tentpole films. So this will diversify the movie market. Do you think that this role will extend? 
after well, this year? The, the, you know, the Academy of Motion Pictures said until further notice. So they're only applying it at least for this this run, but not knowing what the future holds and the fact they said until further notice, that doesn't mean there's an end date. There's okay. at least, because there's at least, going, it's going to apply to at least well, the, it's the 93rd, 93rd season, so... Yeah, no, but it might go past that because, you know, if this actually, because what this does, like I said, it opens up the floodgates for the for indie, indie filmmakers, um, distribution outlets. Um, it opens up more eyes to films beyond the festivals. So it might actually generate even more income and more advertising dollars for movie industry by just this one rule being lifted. Okay. Well, I guess we'll see how that goes. Well, let's uh, let's take it from there since we were talking about that. Let's take it from there and roll into uh, this article about Georgia Cinema's uh, reopening rules. Um, Apparently, Georgia is one of the first states that's going to be reopening uh, uh, post-COVID-19 lockdown. And there's a number of restrictions that are in play. Things like uh, parties can't be more than six people in size. They're going to be checking your fever or checking your temperature to see if you have a fever or any potential symptoms of COVID. And you're going to be at least six feet apart. And then in between showings, they're going to be basically uh, wiping down and sanitizing every square inch of the theater. Uh, This is, uh, it seems like a lot. I mean, my first reaction to thinking about this is that you're going to have more time between showings. So you're going to have fewer showings in a day, but it's going to be. And then it's like we were talking last night during the game stream. It was, well, how many movies are they actually going to play right now? Cause most everything's already been shifted back at least six, nine months out. But, um, so yeah, yeah there's a, there's a lot of question marks. But at the same time, with those question marks, you can you can pump in any movie you want. You know, you can bring in marathons, you can bring in stuff. But the the big thing is is like what you brought up is like all the stipulations. It's going to be a litmus test on how the new norm is going to be until there is some kind of cure. Um, how is that going to be play some out? type of cure or like many other things? Once you once it's no longer a, a daily thing, you're going to just start reverting back to yeah. old habits. I mean, this is psychological at this point, but what strikes me is like, you know, and, and, and I thought about re I read this article, I read this article and then today I went out and I bought, uh, I went out to Walmart cause I, yeah. I very rarely go outside the house. But I went to Walmart and it was such a pain in the butt to go to Walmart. I mean, one door shut down. The other one, you got this weaving line and and stickers on the ground. And it's just such a pain in the butt to go and go out to the store. It's like, I, I... one i really i'm really hoping they do well i don't want to frown on any potential business and anything trying to get back to the quote-unquote new normal but this one is like this strikes me as like okay how many showings does a theater do in a day eight ten per theater yeah it depends on the movie a movie length is about an hour and a half to two 
Well, right um, now, right now, started. right now, if you go with a two-hour thing and theaters open from about 10 a 9 a 9 or 10 a.m. to about 10 p.m., that's 12 hours. Figure 12 hours, they're gonna get at least um, six six movies per theater in that in that time yeah. frame. Um, now it seems like you're gonna have less because I think the, the trying to think about how they're how you would go about doing this is this is how my mind is. I want to think about think about the order of operations. It's like okay, if I've got a theater okay. with five, uh, say just for sake of easy math, I've got a theater with six different theaters. I'm probably gonna run a movie in one theater, and then the next showing will start in the next theater. And yeah. kind of work around because once I get done with it, I've got to spend, depending on the, the number of staff, because you have to also limit the amount of staff you have working so that they're not, they're proper, they're practicing proper social distancing. So it's probably going to take you a, a length of a film just to clean the theater before you could do the next film based on all these requirements. And that's assuming you're even going to have a lot of people in there. Or the fact that, okay, how many seats do you have in like a standard theater, not counting the special stuff like IMAX or Dolby or any of that other stuff, but you can fit what, 100, 150 people in a single theater? Yeah. And now you've got to limit it to groups of six and they've got to be at least six feet away in all directions. (laughs) So... I mean, you're going to get what, maybe a 25 to say 30 people in that theater for that one showing. Yeah. I think, I think this is a good litmus test for that to see how it works because one with these theaters opening, at least in the States that are opening like Georgia, Tennessee, mostly the Southern States, there's, there's an obvious in this to why it's the Southern States, but it's a good litmus test because like you said, there's going to be fewer viewings. There's going to be less people, but there's no new releases. So if you know know how people are, it, you know when it comes to seeing movies in the third, fourth, fifth week when it gets released, it's less and less. So now you're going to be rehashing old films. There's not going to be too many people. You're going to be able to uh, play on that logisticness, you know, on the lot on the logistics of it. Because one, you're 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 reshowing old films, so most people are not. It's like I have that on Blu-ray. Why I want to go see that? So it's gonna the the less people is already going to happen because there's nothing to see. That so, might be, that might also be more of I just want to get out of the house. Yeah. So it 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 creates a a logistic nightmare of sorts. But with the with it being that there are no new releases until I think at least the end of July. Um, it creates enough of a of a, a testing ground to see how they can test the new normal, you know, when the new movies start to drop. Yeah, I get it. I get and it. then, and then, even when that happens, are they are, are the studios going to be playing playing on putting in theaters and on VOD because of certain things, you know, that that they've been testing out with the the VOD stuff. Um, I think v- yeah. I, I really think VOD is going to do a serious damage on the yeah. traditional theater experience. But I think like drive-ins, you're never going to get rid of it. But mm-hmm. I think it's going to be more of, I'll just pay $20 to rent this film. 
Oh yeah, that's the that's the one thing about it, like, which I I brought up not 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 too long ago on a previous podcast, probably. I can't remember, but the 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 VOD for these new releases is twice as much as a traditional VOD release, because a VOD release is about you know three to nine bucks. But because these are brand new films, they've been doubling up on it, making it twenty bucks. Yeah. So. Yeah. But when you look at a family of four spending twenty bucks over certain amounts that you spend at the theater, you know it outweighs it. On you know you, you have a family of four like you, or you have just me. You know it, it's an outweigh of who who you're trying to aim for. Yeah. So, but I think th- what they're going to do to draw people out, they're going to probably have to play marathons. They're going to have to play the bigger known films back to back. They're going to have to give discounts. They're going to have to you know do package deals of some sort. Which might actually play into a new norm after everything passes, where you might have these package deals and discounts and marathons later on. Oh, don't forget the uh, wa- the whole thing with watch parties, because Twitch is right now oh, yeah. like, experimenting with watch parties, and I'm eagerly waiting for that option to become available to me. Unless uh, more people subscribe to help me get to affiliate, but... Yeah, help us out. Subscribe today, people. Yeah, please subscribe. Check us out. All right, um... Okay, so we got that. Let's move on to the next article. And our next article is, you know, we're both, we, we both have history in IT. We both have done a lot of various things with that. And, you know, sometimes we hear about various breaches. But there was a recent breach that caught our attention. And that was a breach of Nintendo's digital records. Something uh, oh, yeah. about 160,000 uh, profiles were breached, or oh, yeah, or yeah. whatever you want to call it, for what happens when you get a when you get a big company hack like this. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, as reported on Kotaku. Uh, Nintendo confirmed that um, possibly as many as 160,000 Nintendo accounts were breached in a hack earlier this month. Um, so, based on this article, they got a hold of Nintendo network IDs which were originally connected to Wii U and Nintendo 3DS systems. Uh-oh. I knew something was up because with the last time I got on my Switch, they they put up on on the Switch they have, you know, news releases. So there's a news section on your Switch and one of the news releases had a uh, instituting a uh 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 that uh two login system. So oh, I knew something was up. When, yeah, two-factor authentication. That was the first thing I saw when I booted up my Switch just a couple days ago. So I knew something was up. And then when I was scouring the interwebs, I came across this article. So it is kind of sad that people will just be willing to do all this stuff. Uh, but it also it was pretty obvious that it might have happened to Nintendo because if you know their, their, their internet capabilities or their online ecosystem, it's not as strong as Sony's or Microsoft. No, it's not. Yeah. but yeah we'll see how that goes alrighty uh, let's see let's move into uh, we got the major articles so these are what we consider the major ones at least to us so now we got a oh, bunch yes. of others we're going to just rapid fire go through are uh, we going speaking, straight down the list uh, well you know let's see what, what, what let's see what bot, what weaves into something else like, okay but um, get a little well, we... defocused on Ooh. me Oh, look at that. There's a hazy scuba. I know. What's yeah. up with that? Maybe I'm just moving too much. Who knows? You dr- you jumped in the North Atlantic instead of the South Pacific. That was your problem. Ha, ha, ha. Well, da, 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 hopefully da, da, da. it's not the camera failing on me. 
<laughs> no! Alrighty, well... Well, while I take a look at that, uh, let's uh, stay on the Nintendo train and go and talk about this uh, rather odd Nintendo-related story. Yeah, speaking of Nintendo, this is uh, reported on Mash Mashable.com. Um, some someone turned a real Glock gun into a clone of the Nintendo Duck Hunt Zapper. So there is a photo on on there on the website on Mashable where it literally you could be confused of it being an actual the actual gun used for the game, but it's an actual Glock. Huh. Well, I, I, reading this one, there was the talk about the fact that this seemed like you kind of have a mixed bag as far as the reviews of it, which yeah. struck me as kind of kind of hilarious. Because um, <laughs> you had though you had those people like, oh, someone will be confused. It's a toy and not a real gun. And then you're gonna have those who are like, oh, that is awesome. Where can I get one? Oh yeah, you'll you'll have um you'll have um. You'll have various different responses, but as uh, reported on the article um, on the Facebook page of Precise Syndicate LSC, a Texas-based machine prototype company, the gun looks remarkably similar to the Nintendo's original non-lethal version. They have to, <laughs> they had to, had to indicate the non-lethal version of the Nintendo controller. <laughs> oh, but of course, but of course, yeah. I don't know what's going on with the camera. Dang. We're just gonna we're just gonna roll with it. We're just gonna well, roll with you know. It. We're just uh, pretending we're under the sea, so it gets a little hazy on there with no goggles. So swim, people. All right. Next one up on our thing, uh, talking games. Let's talk about Bandai Namco giving away Pac-Man. Oh, yes. So Bandai uh, Nam Namco is giving away a free game on the PS4 Steam and Xbox One user, which you just mentioned. So... I mean, this is not the first time. I mean, Pac-Man seems to be that game that just keeps coming round and round and round again. But you know, you, you cannot get too much Pac-Man. It's Pac-Man. You know? Oh yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's classic. It's classic. But yeah, yeah new new version of Pac, the newest version of Pac-Man is going to be released or is released out there for free on all the major gaming platforms, basically. So hey, go we'll grab it today. I mean, this is like this whole thing with this whole being in lockdown or whatever. It seems like it's um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It seems like it's a boon for gamers because so many more gaming opportunities seem to have arisen during this than any other time previously. Yes, definitely. A lot, a lot of games have been you know dropping down. And it's the same thing with the streaming platforms. Like, it just suspiciously, you've been seeing a heck of a lot more content dropping left and right. So I feel like they were just waiting for that time to open up their vault and be like, here's all the shows, you know. Here's all the games. Come on, me. <laughs> mm, you're, you're good. I gotta we, we just what's going on with this camera. Maybe I need to sit there and buy a new camera. Oh, all righty. Okay, let's Invest move into... A lot of the rest of the stuff is def is all TV, TV and movie related. So let's uh, mm -hmm. see what we can do to bundle this together. Um, yes. Actually, this is rolled on the list. Oh wait, no, okay. this one's not TV movie related. We're gonna cover all the non non TV stuff first. Uh, you know, some people when they wake up in the morning, they have to go for their cup of coffee. 
and drink it down well sometimes you spill it and then next thing you know you sue somebody because it's hot coffee and you failed to realize it was hot coffee uh only in america all right america. Uh, <laughs> dunkin donuts has released coffee bars so you can eat latest thing on this oh, whole yes. edible coffee thing but you know you can't spill a coffee uh, a, a bar you eat so that's oh, yeah, that's where exactly. i was trying to tie that together hey the camera cleaned up cool so Welcome what back. do you think about this one i know you're not a big coffee you don't strike me as a coffee drinker uh yeah i don't i don't i don't drink a lot of coffee uh, let me rephrase that i don't drink coffee ever i sometimes go to starbucks and get my favorite mocha every once in a while but that's about it but this coffee bar does intrigue me um because you know it puts it in a, a form that i might try it out because it's in a bar and it's I a sometimes lot better eat, than know, like the protein KFC bars. donut sandwich oh yeah or you know the double decker Oh God! Uh, let's know, not talk about that. Let's, let's forget that Christmas. exists. Existed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but, this one. I mean, Dunkin' Donuts has gotten a lot of really weird stuff because I mean they did the Girl Scout yeah. themed uh, stuff. Now they have coffee bars that you can pick up and chew on. So it's like, all right, anything to diversify their revenue. All right. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, anyway, anyhow, but you know, Duncan's been, you know, moving away from their traditional stuff, so they are, um, they are diversifying. So, as reported on bestproducts.com, the new coffee bars are available on Amazon at 15 bars for $18.99 or through Duncan's online shop for $5.49 for four bars. Okay. Alrighty. Go get them today. (laughs) No. Alright. Next story. Um,. You're an anime person. Oh, yes. I'm trying to be an anime person. I think live action adaptations of most animes tend to fall a little flat. Flat or just fail miserably. Dragon Ball Evolution comes to mind. There's that other one. But we won't talk about it. But uh, apparently apparently there is uh, a live action version of one punch man oh yes oh yes it's been reported on ign that uh that a movie adaptation of the popular manga one punch man is being made and the screenplay is written by the team from the original venom which uh, i guess depending on how they handle it because i mean i'm really kind of in the opinion that writers work on one story then work on another one story will do well, one will fall flat. It, it's really just out of their hands once they write it. But yeah. I've watched a little bit of One Punch Man, and I wasn't overly impressed with it. So I'm a little leery. I, I'm not quite sure how this will go. I do have friends that love One Punch Man. They think it's absolutely great. But yeah. I can't. There, there are elements of the show that I cannot stand. And there are elements yeah. where it's like, okay, yes, I realize this is making fun of, I mean, this is a spoof show. This show is literally making fun of other anime and every other anime trope that exists. I get that. That's what makes it so great. And but, just the, what, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I'm I finishing know, like my Like One thought. Punch Man, 
no, no, you're good. One Punch Man was a, a show I was skeptical about, of, but at least the first season. I haven't watched the second season, but the first season I thoroughly enjoyed because it, being an anime fan, the way it attacked through its lethargicness of the tropes that are action oriented within anime is hilarious. And the fact that they played on that that monotone of what if you were all powerful like the main character and you just get in this very lethargic state, but it's everything else that is trivial that you are excited about. So that's what drew me to the character because he's just all about, you know, the food or stuff. He's not really all about, you know, the fame and stuff. He just kind of did it because to prove a point. Mm. So and it's not a matter of the if he's going to beat him the how and the why and the when it's because the fact he, you know he's going to win yeah he's going to win it's the how and the why it's 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 it's, it's, it's when you when you tackle immortality or the immortality trope in any medium this is a good way to tackle it because you have to tackle it from a different angle a different perspective and i think the, at least the first season i watched the second season the first season tackled that pretty well okay. but the spin it um i'm a little skeptical of the live action because of one uh the, the writers because you've heard me before i did not like the first venom movie it had it's, its moments uh, but i think yeah. uh compared to some of the other uh recent comic book adaptations they write the writing definitely can make or break yeah and you shouldn't have to roll and i think with those rely uh Nothing against the director or the actors, but I think if you're if a, if the actor is what is carrying the film because of the writing is missing a few things or the way the director interprets the script, yeah, I, th- I think those are all things that go in there. Um, yeah, it could be it could be that it, like I was like I was saying earlier, the writers wrote the script. It's the actors and the director that executed the script so you can't really blame bad writing on some things you can definitely see how late lazy writing so to speak will impact a film but it's that hmm hmm oh yeah you know but just just the fact of hearing that it's you know part of the group from a movie that i didn't really like is working on an anime that has a lot more layer to it than what it puts on the surface just because it has a very satirical sense of of the the genre so trying to adapt it especially adapt a a series that attacks in a very hilarious way japanese tropes of anime for uh, a western audience is going to be very hard i think yeah they're they're going to have to spin it in a different way so i always have hope but you know i'm leery okay Next up, uh, Netflix news. It looks like uh, we're going to get Avatar The Last Airbender on Netflix, the anime, not that other thing which we won't talk about. No, don't. But the anime, and I'm excited for that because I loved the anime. I thought it was definitely one of those great things that had a lot of mature tones, but it was definitely geared toward it. But it was in such a subtle way that you really didn't know you, the kids didn't really notice it other than they were hooked. So that's I'm kind of excited for that one. Excited because I never got to watch the series. So this I will give me a it chance was on to watch Amazon the series. Prime forever. And then oh, yeah. they pulled it off. So 
Yeah, there could be a reason why because Netflix signed that deal with Nickelodeon. So yeah, if that yeah. contract so this... ran out, the contract ran out. I get it. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be on the streaming service May fifteenth. Sweet. On Screen Rants. Alrighty. Uh, next up, uh, another classic show from the late '90s, early 2000s, I think. Uh, Parks and Recreation is going to do a reunion special for charity. And this is cool because this is one of those newer, this is going to be a newer uh, thing that hit the hit hit the air because they're going to do this a lot like how we're doing this uh, podcast. There, It's going to be on network oh, yeah, television, it's going to be scripted, and it's going to be them doing a video conference because of social distancing. They can't get together to do it. I think this is awesome, and I think this is definitely <laughs> a mirror, you know, arts imitating life. Oh yeah, this show is like I, I never watched a series, but from a lot of people that I know that watch a series says it's one of the best TV series out there. And this just highlight even for somebody who doesn't know much about the series, this highlights the fact that they know how to play on situations. If they're filming it from their homes, but playing that within the story, yes. that's just that's just awesome. That I'm, I'm, I, that's I all mean, I can I say. Want, I, awesome. I, I, I very I very rarely watch network television. I might actually try and yeah. check this out. Um, oh yeah, I, I, I might. And right. it has a lot of a lot of actors and actresses I like. So you know. okay. So next up, we've got a Hunger Games prequel movie, and apparently uh, the director from a couple several of the films is returning to do this. I think this is kind of cool. Oh yeah, so yeah, so as reported by Comic Book News, uh, Fran- Francis Lawrence, who uh, was the director of Catching Fire and then Mockingjay Part One and Part Two, is coming back to work on a prequel series, hmm. um, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. <laughs> Sounds like a Game of Thrones title. Yes, it does. So, oh, I I think that's the whole thing. I'm not too familiar with the whole hunger games franchise so we'll have to see how that goes uh yeah i watched all the films i'm not familiar with the books but it'll be interesting to see how everything turned out the way it is but like any prequel it does already go come in with its own flaw because everybody knows the outcome so mm, you okay. know sometimes that could make or break a prequel so we'll see all righty um looks like uh some news since we talked about westworld earlier today uh looks like westworld season four has been greenlit oh yeah so it's been reported on ign that season four has been greenlit by hbo as it was announced on last wednesday all righty which 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 was expected so i think it was i mean westworld is kind of their new flagship series so definitely expected that to keep coming um oh there's a non the all right we'll skip that one till the end uh apple tv is an announces a new fraggle rock series now i remember this growing up as a kid so this is like classic muppets oh yeah so they are uh bringing back fraggle rock on apple tv plus which is a uh um a good thing for apple plus i would i would guess i don't haven't really used that service so i don't know how the shows are but you know I getting a recognizable to, name on there i just haven't gotten around it yeah 
Um, but getting a, rec a recognizable franchise to come over is a plus. It's 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 a plus, no pun intended, but yeah. Yeah. All right, next thing uh, looks like... Uh, all right, next thing. We were talking about uh, the theaters going into more of the VOD releases. Uh, looks... We got uh, the animated movie Scoob, which is another Scooby-Doo movie, is been scrapped for uh, theatrical release and going straight for uh, VOD debut, which, you know... Yes. I mean, it's a kid's film. Kid's films are probably... If you have a kid's film in the hopper to be released not doing it on vod is 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 ridiculous I, I... another property yeah this is another recognizable property so it probably would have done gangbangers at the theaters just because everybody recognizes scooby-doo but going straight to vod like you said is going to play on that that audience but i think um warner brothers decided to do this because of what trolls did but we'll save that for another show all right all right um let's see uh, a couple of things star wars related let's go see mandalorian season three is already in development and it's like season two hasn't even finished filming and we already have season three in development which given disney's proclivity for franchises is not necessarily unexpected it's not unexpected um um it's it's just very very quick but at the same time they probably are greenlit in it really fast because one disney probably wants to get a really strong flagship show for their for their streaming service which this could be it and two uh it is a uh, boon for an expansion of more lore and more adventures beyond the traditional trilogy series uh i think also let, let let's think about this we're in the we're still in the middle of lockdown right yeah everything's on hold well once lockdown is lifted and everybody can start you know filming again i think they will be in their prime condi prime ability to continue filming through season two into season three so we might have those scenarios like with lord of the rings where hey i film a bunch of stuff all at once and then back in the editing room i cut it up into the various episode episodes so to speak so this i think is, they might if, if depending on i mean this makes a great use of time you're sitting there oh, yeah. you don't have a whole lot going on let's work on those scripts let's sit there and get it out and then as we get it out now all of a sudden we can film the rest of season two and season three at the same time and then edit it and then all of a sudden i've got season three on the hopper so i've got more time to polish it I mean, that's my that's what I'm thinking. That's how I would probably approach that. What do you what about you? Oh, yeah. Um, as a season two was already in full development before even season one dropped on Disney Plus. So given the time frame, um, they definitely can work on the script and everything. Um, so this is a good time to drop it. And as reported on the article, uh, John Favreau is working on the script and other pre-productions like art and production departments are also doing the same while they're on the downtime right now. Because I think season two is already past post-production because it's dropping in like September. So... It might still be this is a good post. year. 
Yeah. I think principal this filming is a... principal filming is probably done and assuming they don't have to do any reshoots, which I think TV shooting schedules are different than films. Uh, not doing any reshoots, they should be good to drop it. Oh yeah. Yeah, with TV shoots it's 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 more of a like a typical nine to five job. So you, you, you do have that continuous flow and a continuous room of writers and producers. Okay. But like you said, I agree. It does. It does. It, they are using the time wisely. They're getting ahead of the game so they can get all the pre-production done. So if they do need to make twerks, it's not going to be a rush job. Right. So, right. Okay. But um, it also, yes. <laughs> but speaking got- of Star Wars. Yep, continuing Star Wars. Uh, Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker is coming to Disney Plus two months ahead of schedule. Gee, who didn't see this coming with the success of Frozen and Onward? Uh, but this one's nice because it's going to drop and be available on Star Wars Day, May fourth, which I'm happy with because my birthday is Star Wars Day. Oh yes. <laughs> And not to mention, not, not only is Rise of Skywalker going to drop on that day two months earlier, we're going to have all nine films available at one time. All nine of the Skywalker saga, yep. Yes. Which, so I already he, have all of the Star Wars films. I think the only film I don't have digitally is the Clone Wars animated movie, which started the whole series. So Yeah. All right, and our last story to talk about to close out for tonight is circling back to Final Fantasy VII. And it's an interesting little tidbit that Final Fantasy VII's launch numbers broke 3.5 million in the first three days. Oh, yes. Um, As reported on Game Radar, uh, the 3.5 million is a boon for um for you know for remakes but also it compares to when the um original release is sold 9.8 million copies worldwide yeah i think that's pretty so it's already yeah it's already a third of that but it also shows a strong strong indicator of two things one the fan base for this game and two the fact that people are they know it's a remake but they want to replay they want to return back to something that they are it's got to be one of the most talked about remakes since the whole concept of remaking classic games on newer technology has come up i mean this has been a prevalent thing i think at least for the last 10 years talking about the revamping of final fantasy 7 or the re-release of final fantasy 7 because it was such a beloved story that has had echoes reverberating through a lot of other games hell even through next future installments of the franchise has had some callback to final fantasy 7 even though these games are not technically connected in any way yeah no connection whatsoever because they know stephen king universe but you know um it does. It does. It does show the strong strongness of it's okay to do a remake, but people will navigate to it if you do it right. Yeah, very much so. Alrighty, well, we're about a hour and a half in, so it's a lot. Look back to some of our more average uh, conversation length. So, thanking everybody for sticking with us, or at least checking out the. Thank da- you. But 
if you downloaded this via your podcast apps thank you give us a like give us a review if you're checking this out on youtube on the uh, scuba studio youtube channel uh please like and subscribe um that would kind of help grow things there um with that i think we're ready to roll into our closing stuff